do that. We are in Revelation 13 this evening, and I invite you to turn there with me. Uh, find your place there with me. Uh, in chapters 12 and three, uh, 13, we are uh, finding some of the cast of players uh, that are functioning and are at work during the period of the tribulation. We have seen the seven seal judgments. We have heard the seven trumpet judgments as the trumpets were blown and the judgments were exercised. But at this moment in verses, in chapters 13, uh, 12 and 13, we're being introduced to characters that are in play, especially during the second half uh, of the tribulation period. If we get to it tonight, I'm going to take you back to the book of Daniel. I'm going to show you what Daniel has to say, why we believe in a tribulation period, why we believe it's broken into two parts, a tribulation and a great tribulation. We'll do that in a few minutes if we get that far. But tonight you're going to meet some more of the characters. By the way, just look back for a moment, chapter 12. Let me point out the characters we met last week. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman. Uh, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. That was the nation of Israel. Uh, that's, that's the characters. Uh, that's one of the characters that's at play here in the tribulation. Verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Who was the child that came through Israel? It was Jesus Christ. You get to verse 3, you see the third character that's functioning during the tribulation. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon. So I guess maybe that's where you get the pitchfork from. I don't know the tale. Maybe that's where you get it from. A great fiery red dragon. And who is that? That's none other than Satan himself. And in the rest of chapter 12, Satan is restricted from heaven. He's cast out of heaven. He has no access to heaven anymore. And he turns his entire wrath toward Israel. And when you get to the end of the chapter... You see in verse 13, chapter 12, verse 13, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle uh, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times. And so uh, you see a remnant of Israel that God saves. They have to run from Jerusalem uh, because of Satan's wrath. Uh, turned against them. They have to run to the wilderness. They'll hide in the caves until the second half of the tribulation is over. Uh, that's the fourth character, the remnant Israel that's saved. Now, we, we meet tonight a fifth character. We're actually going to meet a fifth and a sixth, if, if I can talk quickly enough to do that. We're going to meet a fifth and a sixth. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and his horns ten crowns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now we're introduced to this fifth character that's at play during the tribulation, especially during the second half of the tribulation. And we've already met him before when the, he was the first horseman of the apocalypse. But, but here we see a different side of his character. And this particular character, this beast out of the sea, as you'll see in a few minutes, is none other than the Antichrist himself, uh, the one who comes as the antithesis of the true Christ. 
Now, it's interesting how he'll rise. You remember in the very beginning of the tribulation when the first seal was opened and the first horseman of the apocalypse came, he came with a bow but no arrow because he didn't come to fight. He didn't come to war. He came in a peaceful manner to create a peaceful setting for Israel to be able to regather, for Israel to be able to rebuild their temple, to begin to worship in their temple again. But we're no longer at the beginning of the tribulation. We're now at the middle of the tribulation. And now we see the other side of this character, this beast. He's no longer uh, riding a a white horse uh, with just a, a bow. He's come with evil in his heart. He now has this hatred that you're about to see toward God. And he rises to power on these nations. He has seven heads. Uh, It's generally believed that these seven heads represent uh, seven Roman rulers, five that uh, that were in the past, one that was represented when John was writing, which was Domitian, and the one that is to come, the seventh head, is uh, the Antichrist himself. He has ten horns, has crowns on those horns. It's believed that these ten horns represent a confederacy of ten nations, our European Union, if you will. And these ten rulers will give their power to that head. And so he'll ride to power uh, on the backs of uh, this European Union, this, this revived Roman Empire if you will. We'll see that again in just a few minutes. Uh, This revived Roman Empire, this European Union, he comes to power. He's created peace. He's ridden these these, uh, ten nations, and now suddenly, you know, these ten nations have surrendered all of their power, or they're going to surrender all of their power to him, and he will become or seek to become the one world ruler. You, You realize that there's a one-world religion coming. There's a one-world government coming. There's a lot of this globalism thing is, is really, is, you can understand how all this can take place, whether this is actually what's happening now or not. You can understand how it will all take place. And, and John sees this beast uh, coming up out of the sea. The sea is interesting. Uh, it can be one of two things. If He's talking about the sea in general. Remember he said he was standing on the shore and he was looking out in the sea. It means that this Antichrist comes up out of the nations. It may, it may be that he's not Jewish if that's the way you understand sea. But if you understand that he's coming up out of the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, the sea in the Scripture often represents people, uh, bodies of people, groups of people, nations of people. So if it's a sea in general, the the Antichrist who comes as the seventh head, who has a confederacy of nations who who have the power to do this, give to him the authority to become the one world ruler, Um, he he may well come up out of the nations. He may may not be Jewish, but I think it's much more likely in my estimation that he comes up out of the Mediterranean Sea. This, this uh, beast comes up out of the Mediterranean Sea and is, in fact, Jewish in his heritage. Now, afterwards, please, please don't come argue with me about whether he's Jewish or not Jewish. I've, I've been down all those paths before. We're not going to solve the matter. I said this is my opinion, okay? I'm entitled to an opinion, and you're entitled to be wrong. But... Um, uh, I just want you to understand what we're talking about. Now, he's going to continue with his description. You get who this beast is? 
You get it? He's riding on the backs of government. He's the seventh head. They give to him this power. That's what the crowns are about. They have the power. Verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like, notice these words. I, I circled them in my text. They're like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. In his mouth, like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, who was the dragon? We met him here in chapter 12. Satan. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So who's at work behind these nations, these, this ten-nation confederacy? Who, Satan is at work behind it. Uh, Satan is the one who brings to him, ultimately brings to him his power. And this confederacy of ten nations is going to be ruled by the Antichrist, and the power will come from Satan. Verses 3 to 5. I saw one of his heads. Here's something interesting. Remember how many heads did he have? Seven. If they represent Roman rulers, as we believe they did, there was a lot more than five Roman rulers, six Roman rulers. But we're doing this uh, to show that this is the connection to the Roman government. There's five that had gone before. There was one when John was writing Domitian. The seventh is the Antichrist. I saw one of his heads. So that means there's only one head left. I mean, the five Roman rulers are already dead, right? Domitian is, well, he's dead by our time, right? I hope he's not still living. Domitian is gone. That only leaves one other head, and that's the Antichrist. And so he said, I saw one of his heads. That's the head of the Antichrist as if he had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. Uh-oh. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. In other words, there's a miracle that happens. We're not told why he's wounded. We're not told how this all comes about. We're just told that he suffers a mortal wound. You know, Satan has been the master counterfeiter from the beginning, hasn't he? And what is he, what, what is he counterfeiting here? He's counterfeiting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so all the world marvels at this beast. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Now, that's not what you said to your husband this morning, I'm sure, ladies. But that's what they'll say to this antichrist, who is like the beast? I mean, who could die like this and come back to life? Who's able to make war with him? I mean, who can stop him? If he can overcome death, who can stop him? And he, has, he was given a mouth. That's always a problem, isn't it? Did your mouth ever get you in trouble? A mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Now, how long is 42 months? It's three and a half years. Bible months are always 30 months, 30 months. Bible months are always 30 days in length. You know, ours change, 31 and 30 and 29, sometimes 28. But Bible months are always 30-day uh, uh, months. That's how you figure them when you're doing figuring in the Bible. And so here for 42 months, which ends up uh, being three and a half years, uh, he has this, this dominant power. So we know what we're talking about. We're not talking about the first half of the tribulation because in the first half he came with a bow with no arrow. But now something has happened. He's been mortally wounded. He's been raised to life by Satan himself. Now he has everybody's attention and he takes charge and he says, you're going to worship me. And everybody starts bowing down to him. They give the authority to him as a result of that. This event, that 
mortal wounding. This event will trigger the beginning of the Antichrist's ruthless reign of terror and dictatorship. Verses 6 to 8. Then he opened his mouth. Here he is talking again. Don't you wish politicians sometimes would just shut up? Don't you wish television commentators would sometimes just shut up? Just, just tell me what happened. Don't give me your opinion about it. Sorry, that was a little aside there. I didn't mean to do that. But we're in Revelation. You never know what will happen. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints. Are there people saved during the tribulation? Yeah, there's 144,000 that have been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There's two witnesses that have been preaching the gospel of the kingdom as well. We know that there are martyrs that are under the altar in heaven that lost their lives during the tribulation, and they're crying out, Lord, when are you going to avenge our deaths? When are you going to avenge our deaths? And we're going to see even more. There will be even more deaths moving into this last part of the tribulation. He'll make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's pretty extensive, wouldn't you say? That's world rule. And all who dwell on the earth, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. You don't worship him, your life's in danger, right? If we get to the end of this chapter, you have to take the mark of the beast to even be able to buy or sell. That means if you wanted to sell your house, you'd have to have the mark of the beast to be able to sell your house, let alone, <clears throat> let alone the groceries that you have to eat. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life. People that have been saved during the tribulation, their names are written down. They're not going to worship him of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Did you know that before we were even thought of, Jesus had already been slain in God's foreknowledge and in God's sovereignty. God was already planning to redeem us to himself. Isn't that a great love? That is an unbelievable. I mean, when I, I know you're causing me trouble, I, I, I just stay away from you. I just cut you off. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, okay, so I'm the only one that does that, but I, I do that. I just, you know, mm, stay away from me. God didn't, he didn't say, stay away from me. God said, come to me. And he made it possible. He, he removed the barrier, the sin barrier, so that we could come to him in faith. Verses 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience in the faith of the saints. If anyone has an ear, let him hear is reminiscent of what he said to the churches in chapters 2 and 3. You remember that? Came to the end of the church. Each of those churches says, if you've got an ear to hear, let him hear. But guess what? There's no mention of any churches here. There are saints there's no mission of any churches here. You know why? The church age saints are gone. They were removed three and a half years earlier. And what he's talking to are the people who are still alive during this part of the tribulation. He's saying, pay attention. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I'm saying. There's going to be persecutors that are coming. Uh, they're going to be those that come to take your life. They'll kill with a sword. Many of you will go into captivity. And that's what the tribulation, the second half especially, will be like. Then we're introduced to 
a sixth character or a seventh character. I can't remember what number I'm on. It's the beast out of the earth. This first beast was out of the sea, right? Do I stop here and take you back to Daniel or do I wait? I'm going to wait. The beast out of the sea. Look at verse 11. This is a new, this is a new character. There's seven of them. Uh, there's Israel. There's Jesus. Uh, there's Satan. Uh, there's Michael. There's the remnant Israel. There's the beast. And then there, there's, there's this beast that comes up out of the earth. This is a different one. doesn't have the same power as the first one. This is going to be the one that's called the false prophet. That's his title. That's what he's called, the false prophet. Verse 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns. Not as many as the other, right? He's not as powerful as the one before. Had two horns like a lamb. Like a lamb? This is a religious figure. Like the Lamb of God was the religious figure of Christianity. He's a religious figure. Like a lamb and spoke. Not like a lamb. He spoke like a dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. Satan is the dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. There he is. That's the false prophet. You've got to bow down. He's out. Uh, he's the, uh, what is uh, John Kerry doing? Uh, what, is, what do they call him? An emissary? Or what do they, what do they call him? He's, what is he? Uh, he's the czar. He's the, he's, the, he's the antichrist czar. He's out telling you, you got to bow down to the beast. I'm not talking about me. I just got the two, the two crowns. I'm talking about the one that's got the ten crowns, who has this governmental authority that's been given to him. you, you got to bow down to him. That's his role. That's his responsibility. Uh, did, I, did I finish reading that verse? And he'll exercise all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Who is this? Uh, this is the false prophet. But I want you to notice he doesn't come up out of the sea. Doesn't come up out of the Mediterranean Sea. He comes up out of the earth. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but here's what we know it means. He didn't come from heaven. You get that? He didn't come from heaven. And so what we're looking at is the opening days, the opening weeks of this second half of the tribulation that's called the Great Tribulation, when there's a confederacy of ten nations that allow the Antichrist to rise to power. He seizes that power. It all comes from Satan himself. Uh, he has this mortal wound. He's healed from that mortal wound. And now everybody's bowing down to him. He sends out his czar. Uh, he sends out this false prophet to tell everybody. He's out negotiating with the nations. Now, look, if you're going to stay in good graces with, with the beast, with, with the Antichrist, you've you got to come in the line. You've got to get in line. Now, you've got to line your nation up with the rest that, that are giving all of their authority over to him. And that's, that's his role this false prophet, and even his power uh, comes from Satan itself. Now, notice some of the things that he can do, verses 13 to 15. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the, on the earth in the sight of men. Remember when Elijah prayed to God and God sent fire down? 
And everybody said, there's only one God. There's only one true God. Remember that? He's trying to mimic God, some of the miracles of God. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Before we get to what I'm about to read, do you see what he's doing? He's calling down fire from heaven. Do you, don't you think we've got enough cataclysmic things going on already? It, it's, it's, sort of like, uh, it's sort of like the magicians uh, in, the book of e- in the book of Egypt. <laughs> in the book of Exodus that were in Egypt, and they kept duplicating Moses for the first four. They kept duplicating the, the miracles, you know, turning water into blood, frogs coming up. They kept duplicating the miracles. You know, th- at some point you'd say, hey, we don't want to duplicate these. Yeah. Don't you think sometimes you'd say to the false prophet, hey, <laughs> did, did you see that thing falling from the sky that hit out there in the sea and the dead you know, the dead life in the sea that's been floating on the surface. We don't need any more cataclysmic things coming from heaven. But here he's calling fire down from heaven. And uh, he's trying to solidify himself as this powerful czar to get all the nations lined up to follow the beast. And notice what he does. He tells those that are on the earth to make an image to the beast, to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So what does he do? He makes a carved image. We're not told exactly what it's made from, but he makes a carved image of this beast, and uh, he puts it in the temple. Do you know what this is called? Uh, go, keep your place there in Revelation. Go back with me to Matthew for a minute. Matthew 24. Uh, Matthew 24. And um, we'll look at verse 15. Verses 4 to 14 are the two halves of the tribulation, the first half and the second half. Uh, 4 to 8 is the first half. 9 to 14 is the second half. Again, I know that there's some who say that a larger portion of that is the first and the second half. We won't argue about that. We ultimately end up at the same place. There's two parts to a tribulation, three and a half years, uh, and then three and a half years of the great tribulation. But notice verse 15. Therefore, he's speaking now to the Jewish people. Therefore, when you see, here it is, when they set this idol up, and he's able to give it authority or power to be able to move its mouth and speak, open its eyes and look. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, there it is, that's what it's called. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. It is about to get really bad. I believe Satan's powerful. <clears throat> if he can give an inanimate object the ability to speak, uh, he's trying to demonstrate his power. His power is nothing. God made a donkey talk. Y'all ever heard of donkey talk? I'm, I'm not talking about Mr. Ed. That's the incredible Mr. Ed. I understand that. That's, 
And here he is with his power making this, uh, making this image speak, this image of the beast put in the temple where nothing is supposed to be but the holiness and the presence of God. And he's requiring people to worship that image. Well, we continue. Um, verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. Now, let me tell you something funny first, sort of lighten the mood. I can't remember whether it's Wendy's, Arby's, or McDonald's, my three favorite places in the world. And everybody's thinking, please, Pastor, don't do that anymore. And I, I agree. But there's one of those three places that I, I order the same thing. You know, what, if I, whatever I get at McDonald's, I get the same thing every time I go to McDonald's. Same thing with Arby's, same thing with Wendy's. I, you know, there's one thing there that I like. I don't, if I want something different, I go to a different restaurant. Y'all, y'all don't do that? I, that's, that's what I do. But when I order it, <laughs> it, it always comes back that I owe $6.66. Every time. Now, when taxes are going up, maybe not, but it's at every time, $6.66. I've had people tell me, you ought to ha- add something. Add a drink to it. Tell them you want ice water. Add five cents to it. Are y'all superstitious or what? I'm not even going to be here when the mark of the beast is being given. You understand? People that are living during that day, you understand why, why they'll die? while they'll be persecuted, while they're having to flee to the wilderness and to the mountains to save their lives. You understand? Because unless you take that mark, whether it's an actual physical mark that you can see or whether it's a chip, as some people think it is, it doesn't really matter. The, the bottom line is you can't buy or sell without it. You've got to have the mark. You can't, you, you can't buy or sell. You can't, whatever it is you're buying, whatever it is you're selling, you can't buy it or sell it unless you've got the mark of the beast. You've got to have the uh, antichrist approval, the government approval, before you can do anything. And the antichrist has got to know what you're doing all the time. He's going to, he's going to have tracking. He'll keep up. You, do you see that that's not going to be a really difficult thing to do anymore? I mean, 100 years ago, you would have thought, you know, how's he going to do that? <laughs> They're already doing it. They already know where, where we are, just about everything we buy. You go to Kroger, the Lord help you. <laughs> you go to Kroger, you have to take your, if you want, you know, they have to take your card and you have to swipe it and, and you tell them, you're telling them what you're buying, right? They, they know every grocery you've already bought. No big deal. They know that, that quart of ice cream that you're not supposed to have. <laughs> they already know it. And it's funny for us to laugh at now, and I like having fun about it now, but for those that are living during the Great Tribulation, it won't be funny. You got to take, can you imagine having a a baby in your arms and you're desperately, a mother, desperately in in need of buying baby food? And she goes to the grocery store and they say, ma'am, you can't have any food. 
You can't have anything uh, for your baby. Well, i got to have something for my baby. Well, ma'am, you're going to have to go down to the office, and you're going to have to get at the government office, and you're going to have to get the mark of the beast. You've got to take the mark on your hand or your forehead. I can't, I can't scan you through here if, if you don't go get, get uh, the mark, if you don't go get t- this taken care of. You've you got to have, uh, this isn't the same thing, but, but you've you got to have, you got to have your license. I mean, you, you can't go, you can't drive without this, right? You've you got to have your license. I, ca- I can't sell you anything. But, but don't you understand, my baby's dying. I mean, my baby's got to have food. Got to have baby food. I, I, I got to be able to, if, if you're not going to sell me baby food, sell me some of the vegetables so that I can puree them and I can make them ready so the baby can have them. Ma'am, I can't sell you vegetables. I can't give you anything that you need. And I suppose they'll look on the black market for a while until there is no black market anymore. And what will happen? Can you imagine having to make those kinds of determinations in those kind of decisions? And so those are the seven characters. Uh, did, did, did I get them all? You got Israel. You got Jesus. You got Satan. You got Michael. You got the remnant Israel. You got the beast that comes out of the sea. That's the Antichrist who comes to power on this European Union, and you got the beast that comes out of the earth who is the false prophet. So what do you have? You have, uh, you have a mimicking of the Trinity. You have, the, uh, you have like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've, you've got Satan, the Spirit. You've got Antichrist, the, the Son, uh, and you've got the false prophet. Excuse me. You've got uh, Satan. You've got uh, Antichrist and the false prophet. You've got the unholy Trinity. And all of that's playing out. Now, can we take it? I got five minutes. You say, why five minutes? Because when they let the kids go downstairs, you don't want them going outdoors without you being down there, trust me. I want you to go with me real quickly to the book of Daniel. I can't, I can't cover all of this in the next few minutes, but I want to cover what I can. Just We've already seen that, you know, there's... there's in the book of Revelation, there's these numbers that, of days that you, you multiply out or you divide out and you get the number of years. Um, and I want to show you where all of that comes from. It all goes back to the book of Daniel. Daniel is given a vision. And in chapter uh, number 9, verse 24, this is the way 70 weeks are determined. Chapter 9, verse 24. Chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Now, in some of your translations, it probably says 77s. Uh, the word seven means a week. It's referring to a week. And the week is referring to a year. Um, you have to think differently than we think. This is where I don't think. I think I'm, I shouldn't have done this because I'm not going to have time to explain all this. Uh, the Jews thought in, in terms of heptads rather than in decades. You and I think of decades, in tens. You know, uh, you know one decade, another decade. T- ten decades make what? A century. And, you know, ten centuries make what? That's how we think. We think in decades. We think in tens. The, the Jewish people thought in heptads. They thought in sevens. That's, that's what's significant about these numbers. For instance, there, how many days are there in a week? 
There's seven days. Uh, how, many, uh, how many years before there, there, there was the Sabbath year? Seven. Uh, how many years before there was uh, uh, the year of Jubilee? Seven times, what, it's 49 years, right? For 49 years. Every 50th year was the year, year of Jubilee, and everything went back. All the property went back to the original tribe. Everybody that was working as a slave for, an indentured slave, paying off bills to someone was all released to go back. And so they think in numbers of, of seven rather than in numbers of ten. So, you know, that, that's, you got to understand that if you're going to understand this passage. And so he, he gives to Daniel this vision about 70 weeks. Now that's that's going, to be 70, uh, that's going to be 70 years. But notice, if you will, not 70 years. You'll see that in a minute. 70 weeks. Notice verse 25. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command, that's when Artaxerxes gives him the permission to go back and to rebuild the walls of the city, to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks. That's, that's 49 years. If a week is a year, seven times seven is 49, right? That's 49 years. And 62 weeks, that's 434 years. Now, when you add 49 to 434, you get exactly the number of years that brings you to the crucifixion of Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? So he talks about 70 weeks, uh, 70 times seven. 490 years. That's the number I was, couldn't get a minute ago. I'm rushing, and I don't do good when I rush. Seven times 70 is 490 years. Uh, that's broken up, the first part of it, into, into uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. And you say, but why did he break it up? We don't know the exact answer to that. It may be that the 49 years from the rebuilding of the wall, there was 40 years of cleaning up the city, getting rid of the debris, getting rid of everything that had, all the rubble that had, had resulted from the city being overrun and the temple being destroyed and all of those things. It may have been a 49-year period that took them to, to get that all done. We know it took them 52 days to rebuild the wall, right? Right? 52 days to rebuild the wall. But it may have taken them 49 years. Why it's broken into two parts, we don't know. But, but we know that that brings you to 69 weeks. Add 434 years to 49 years. But notice what happens, verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, that's 49 plus 62. After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, the prince is the Antichrist, but he doesn't do this, the people of the prince. And what do they do in AD 70? They destroy the city. And the people of the prince who is to come, the prince is yet to come, but the people of the prince are going to destroy the city, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war, desolations are determined. And we've been living in that, haven't we? One war after another war after another war. Then he, that's the prince, that's the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Ah, we have 69 weeks. Where did the other one go? Here it is. When is it? It's the tribulation. What does he do? The prince, whose people had destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, a period of time exists between that 
in Jesus coming for his church in the beginning of the tribulation, but he will come, this prince, and he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week, for one seven-year period. He's going to sign a peace agreement, and I'm going to take care of Israel, and I'm going to protect them. You can all come back and live here, and we're going to rebuild the temple if it's not already rebuilt. We're going to reestablish the worship, your worship there in the temple. Come on back. I'm going to watch after you. I got the power to do that. I got this confederacy of nations. We can handle this. We'll take care of you. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's seven years. That's the tribulation. But in the middle of the week, how many years would that be? Three and a half years. In the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering on the wing of abominations. What was it called in Matthew 24? Um, what was it? The abomination of desolation. I could not even think of it. Here I am speaking it, and I can't even think of it. The abomination of desolation. Uh, on the wing of abominations shall, he, shall, be, uh, he shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Until that three and a half, that last part of that, that last week plays itself out. Um. There's going to be desolation everywhere. Did, did, did I just muddy everything for you? I'll try to bring a chart for you. I really shouldn't have gotten into that. I'll try to bring a chart for you so you can see it. Uh, there's, there, there's 490 years. There's 70 weeks, 490 years. Uh, the first portion is, you know, 49 and, uh, and 62. Uh, take you from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the crucifixion of Jesus, and then there's a blank because the age of grace takes place. But the Antichrist is coming to make a covenant that begins the tribulation period, a covenant with Israel, I'll protect you. He breaks the covenant in the middle. He sets up the idol, makes it speak, sends out his czar, says everybody got to get lined up. You got to get the mark. If you're going to buy, you're going to sell. And Antichrist is going to turn his wrath against mankind and especially against the nation of Israel. I'll bring you a chart, see if I can help you with that uh, next week. I'm sorry I got into that and got you confused. If you're still confused, ask Mary.